And welcome to Monday on the Pure Opelka Podcast. It's Mike here. Happy you are tuning in. Thank you for being there. Share it with your friends. I was uh, speechifying on Sunday with the Conservative Caucus of Delaware and hopefully made a bunch of new friends who will check out the podcast. And maybe you can help us get a little momentum, too. In terms of radio this week, currently only Saturday is scheduled, but we will see if uh, something else happens. Stay tuned right here or visit pureopelka.com if you want to find out the latest on my guest appearances. Uh, We have uh, so much news to cover today, including just before noon, it appears that Jim Jordan may be picking up some very needed momentum to become the next Speaker of the House. There were several holdouts, and it looks like uh, a few of them may have jumped. And if they jump, maybe the other holdouts will jump too. My biggest concern is that the Democrats will find a way to leverage this fracture within the GOP to give themselves control in the House. And that would be a disaster, especially as we are 384 days away from a full House election, a third of the Senate, and, of course, the presidential election. We don't want the Democrats having any more power than they already do have because they will mess things up even further than they are currently today. So let's hope tomorrow around noontime Eastern, Jim Jordan gets that election and he becomes the Speaker of the House and we can move forward. We also have to move forward on uh, what's happening with Israel and the expected, I guess, kinetic war action. What are we going to call it? Yeah, the invasion of Gaza. And it is a warranted invasion of Gaza. In my opinion, Israeli forces should have been turned loose days ago. But, you know, you got to get the plan together. You got to get 300,000 people on the border. You got to get supplies. You have to have everything ready. And that's what the IDF forces are doing. And they're also softening the targets by hammering some of the buildings that are allegedly holding either missiles or entrances to tunnels that the uh, Hamas terrorists have used forever and ever and ever. And yes, there are people who are trying to get the hell out of there, as they should have, but they've had more than a week now. Why did they need more than a week? They were given warnings. The power's going to be turned off. The water's going to be turned off. You're not going to be able to go to the store and buy food. And they stayed. Why? Well, in some cases, Hamas wouldn't let them go. In some cases, there are reports that Hamas was taking car keys away from people who wanted to leave. Can you imagine It's a terrible situation. And also, we have 30, at least 30 Americans confirmed dead. Where is the outrage from America? About 30 American civilians, citizens of our country who have been killed by these terrorists. And at least 14 are being held hostage and almost 200 reportedly held hostage in Gaza. By Hamas, yes, they're a bargaining chip. Yes, they're human shields. And uh, Iran is trying to say, hey, stop the bombing, Israel, and Hamas will turn over the hostages. Well, Hamas hasn't confirmed that. Turn over the hostages first, then the bombing stops. Turn over the hostages and the rest of your leadership. 
then the bombing stops. It's, uh, it's not a tough concept. But the guy in charge, you know, Joe Biden, uh, he doesn't really have all his faculties, despite what uh, Yellen, Janet Yellen, has to say. This, um, this little interview with the Treasury Secretary uh, just, uh, well, it infuriated me. I'm not going to kid. She was asked if Joe Biden has the energy for another five years on the job. I know you're not backing uh, a woman to be president in the next election because I know you'll be backing President Biden uh, loud, and, loud and clear. Does he still have the energy for another five years Abs in the job? Absolutely. He's um, very involved, very um, vibrant, um, is doing an excellent job. Yeah. Very involved and very vibrant. If he's very involved and very vibrant, why does he say dumb things all the time? Why does he stumble on the teleprompter? Why does he need to have his sentences completed by Scott Pelley over there at 60 Minutes? By the way, the 60 Minutes interview was recorded Thursday evening. Thursday evening. And then Joe went and spoke in Philadelphia on Friday. Then Joe attended an LGBTQ human rights dinner in D.C. on Saturday. And this interview aired on Sunday. Why, considering all of the things that are happening hour by hour in this war, couldn't they do this an hour or two before 60 Minutes aired? No, they can't. Because Joe's not right. Joe needs to be helped through all of these interviews. Scott Pelley has to give him assistance, for example, in this uh, one little clip here. Pelley has to complete a sentence. There's limited fighting already on the northern Israeli border, and I wonder what is your message to Hezbollah and its backer, Iran? Don't. Don't, don't, don't. Don't come across the border. Don't escalate this war. That's right. Oh, isn't that nice of you to finish the sentence for him? Could he not come up with that himself? Don't, don't, don't. It's troubling, isn't it? Really troubling. And Scott Pelley kind of noticed it. As we spoke to the president, his secretary of state was in Israel. His defense secretary was at a NATO meeting on Ukraine. America's oldest president seemed tired from directing all of this. Yeah, seemed tired. He is tired. And his brain's tired. It's a problem. The decline is happening more and more every day. And when, when he's not stumbling, mumbling, and fumbling, he's smearing. Like the things he said about the Republicans, especially those who support Donald Trump. Look, this is not your father's Republican Party. 30% of it is made up of these MAGA Republicans who are maybe, democracy is something I don't, they don't look at it the same way you and I look at democracy. Hmm. 30%. I think it's probably closer to 45% of the GOP consider themselves make America great Republicans. And what's wrong with saying make America great? What's the problem? What is the problem? 
Joe Biden spoke, as I said, on Saturday night to an LGBTQ or STVU group, Human Rights in Washington, D.C. It was a, a dinner. So, you know, Joe was past his bedtime. And maybe the sundowners thing kicked in. But he was saying stuff that is patently false, patently untrue. And he, he's not ashamed, I guess, to keep repeating this kind of stuff. You've heard me say it before, and I apologize for having to repeat it. When a person can be married in the morning and thrown out of a restaurant for being gay in the afternoon, something is still fundamentally wrong in this country. And that still exists. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. There are no restaurants throwing gay people out for being gay. Not at all. That's a lie. That's not even close to being truth. And then he kind of mumbles, fumbles, and bumbles around in his own words. We made human rights for LGBT around the world a top priority in my foreign policy. Increasing our assistance to brave activists on the ground. Defending human rights in countries to pass anti-gay laws. Wait, he said to pass anti-gay laws? Hmm. He's confused. He's very confused. And we wonder about his health, too, because of the coughing. Joe started into the coughing while he was going after Second Amendment rights at this same event. No excuse. Who in God's name needs a weapon with 100 rounds in a chamber? (laughs) The weapon's only meant for one thing, to kill people. Now, I wonder how the people of Israel would feel about a statement like that. They don't have the Second Amendment the same way we do. When those people were at the music festival and the paragliders with terrorists coming in carrying automatic weapons and mowing down just the peaceful concert goers. I wonder if those folks would like to have an automatic weapon or even a semi-automatic weapon with a hundred rounds in it. I'll bet they would. I'll bet they would have loved to have the opportunity to take out some of those vermin. Joe was also in Philadelphia. I think it was his um, 17th or 18th time during his presidency, he's gone to Philadelphia to hold a public event. They really must be seeing the collapse of support for Joe Biden in Pennsylvania and especially in Philadelphia. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep going there. This happened Friday afternoon. Joe trying to sound normal and local. Yo! Between the Phillies and Eagles, man, it's a good year, man. This is a good year. We're going to win the series and the NFL. Wait, 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 wait. We're going to win the series and we're going to win the NFL? Um, Is somebody going to kick touchdowns? You mean win the Super Bowl? His brain just really isn't fully engaged. It It doesn't work well. He gets stuff mixed up all the time. Again, from 60 Minutes. Recorded last Thursday, aired last night, Sunday night, Joe uh, said something kind of incredible about the Israeli Defense Forces. Can you foresee U.S. troops in combat in this new Middle East war? I, I don't think that's necessary. Israel has one of the finest fighting forces in the country. 
Can you force one one of the finest fighting forces in the country? Well, you would hope if they are the Israeli Defense Forces that they would be the finest fighting force in the country. Sorry. I know that one's a little on the edge, but we got to keep piling on. There are so many, though. And I, I played a little clip from uh, the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen earlier, who I think is very disconnected from reality. And that's proven just by what she said about Joe Biden, but she's very disconnected from reality, especially when it comes to the economy. And if you have a Treasury secretary who's disconnected from reality, that's not a really good thing. Look, the American economy is doing extremely well. Excuse me? Um, Inflation has been high and it's been a concern to households. It's come down considerably. At the same time, we have about the strongest labor market we've seen in 50 years with 3.8% unemployment. And at the same time, um, America, the Biden administration, has passed legislation that is strengthening our economy um, in the years to come. For the Yeah, is it for the middle class? Is it? Prices are up 17% under Joe Biden. Real wages are down 3.2%. Under Joe Biden, and most Americans living paycheck to paycheck, credit card debt at an all time high housing. If you were if you were interested in buying a house since Joe Biden took office, you would have to pay twice as much for your monthly mortgage as you did when Donald Trump was president. I'm just saying. And in terms of the uh, labor market, the jobs that were created in the last monthly report were mostly part-time jobs and government jobs. And you need full-time private industry jobs in order to support government jobs. Lots of them. She is disconnected from economic reality. She's disconnected from reality in general. And she thinks it's a good idea for us to get chummier with China. That's right. I said chummy or with China. We are not attempting to decouple uh, from China. We have a deep economic relationship and that kind of competition, trade and investment Mm -hmm. is beneficial to both sides. And we want an environment in which it can continue. And third, um, we need to cooperate on a variety of global challenges. And I would say climate change is an obvious example. Ah, climate change? China has done nothing on climate change. China's one of the worst polluters. One of the worst polluters. When you look at big cities around the world, China, I believe, has 23 of the top 25 worst cities for pollution. And then they go and they sponsor, pay for mining without any regulations in places like Africa where children are forced to mine for those rare earths needed to make those electric car batteries, which are the worst possible things for the planet, not just for the little children. We should not be cooperating with China. We should be decoupling from China. That is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. But then again, she's part of one of the most ridiculous administrations we have ever seen decouple from China, get the 
Confucius Institutes out of American colleges and universities. Now, Joe Biden's been invited to go to um, Israel. Benjamin Netanyahu has invited Joe to come to Israel. And there were a lot of people saying it could happen this Friday. I'm one of the folks who doubts that's even possible. Really, I am. The region is still on fire. It will still be on fire on Friday. And Benjamin Netanyahu has his hands full with uh, Hamas and maybe Hezbollah and maybe Iran, even though Iran's saying, nope, nope, we're not doing anything, but we, we applaud what Hamas is doing. Netanyahu is not playing around. Hamas is ISIS. And just as ISIS was crushed, so too will Hamas be crushed. And Hamas should be treated exactly the way ISIS was treated. They should be spit out from the community of nations. No leader should meet them. No country should harbor them. And those that do should be sanctioned. Excellent. I really don't think Joe Biden will go there Friday, which means he probably will go there on Friday because I'm horrible on predictions of things like that. But I just think it's also a dangerous trip for the guy because it's a very long trip. And that'll wear him out even more. And it also would probably require a press conference after any meeting with Netanyahu. And we know this administration likes to protect Joe and not allow him to take any questions at press conferences. And we'd probably get a replay of this moment from his last overseas tour. But I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to bed. Sure, that could probably happen if Joe meets uh, in Israel with Netanyahu after a, what is it, about a 20-hour flight to get there? He's just not ready for it. He's really not ready for it. But then again, as I said, I'm horrible on these kinds of predictions. Uh, a couple of off political topics that I think require some updates. Uh, the Mary Lou Retton story. Mary Lou Retton was in a hospital ICU fighting a rare form of pneumonia. Yeah, that Mary Lou Retton, the one who won the gold medal in the L.A. Olympics in 1984 and made the entire country proud. And uh, she's not doing well. Supposedly, she's got a good shot to beat this. But the stunning thing about this is we learned from her daughter is that Mary Lou Retton didn't have insurance and ICU visits are very expensive. And her daughter was trying to get, you know, 50 grand in help for medical expenses for her mom. And uh, America has responded. I'm sure some people from around the world. As of this morning, that 50 grand goal through something called Spot Fund, and I have tweeted out links to the Spot Fund page, is uh, $438,000, which I hope will go all to Mary Lou Retton so she can have some, some comfort and lack of worry in her life, which she does not deserve. You should check it out. It's a, it's a very good story. Uh, the other story that uh, I got to share with you is kind of off the beaten path, but it is in the woke news category. We love the Babylon Bee. The Babylon Bee has given Dylan Mulvaney an award. How terrific is this? Dylan Mulvaney has won the Man of the Year award 
from the Babylon Bee. I wonder if they will have an award ceremony and invite Dylan because that would be epic. Just epic. And uh, sad news. Sad news in the world of uh, television. Suzanne Summers, yes, Chrissy Snow from Three's Company, and she also had a show called She's the Sheriff, but I, I never saw it. I couldn't tell you what it was. Uh, Suzanne Summers has passed away after fighting cancer bravely for five decades. She would have been 76 years old today. Rest in peace, Suzanne Summers. All right, let's get uh, Dr. Michael Royzen in here for a rare Monday appearance. Dr. Royzen is, uh, you know, our guy from the Cleveland Clinic. He's also the man behind the Longevity Playbook. Longevityplaybook.com is where you go to find out more, how you can make yourself a genetic engineer to live younger, live longer. Kind of a good idea, right? And um, Dr. Royzen's been telling me that if we get everybody to live longer, you know, like to 100, it's going to actually be good for the economy. And I'm sorry, Dr. Ryzen, uh, this one confounds me. This one confuses me. It seems like if we have a bunch more people living longer, it would be more expensive for the economy. It would be costlier. Um, your statement sounds counterintuitive, Doc. Uh, it would be if they didn't work a lot longer. Right now, the average age of retirement in the U.S. is, there's a question, what do you think it is, Michael? Hmm, I know a lot of people used to say 65, but I think it's like 70. It's actually 61. Really? Is the average age of retirement. If you're going to live, and the average age of how long those 61-year-olds live, Michael, is? Another 20 years. Right. That's exactly right. 19 years to, to 80 or so. But if what's happening now is we're getting a substantial medical breakthroughs that mean people are going to live at least 10 years longer in this decade if they want to, meaning they got to do some self-engineering, as we call it, meaning self-engineering your genes by... Um, staying a little healthier, doing a little walking, eating less red meat and processed red meat, um, managing stress by calling friends, talking to you on the radio, listening to you as part of their posse and passion. So by doing that, we're going to live about 10 years longer. Right, let me give you some data. One is Heart disease, I think I mentioned this last week, has decreased, the heart disease death rates have decreased by 56% since 1970. Yeah. So if we had the same number of people die as in 1970 from heart disease last year in the United States, we'd have 450,000 more deaths. Cancer death rates have decreased 33% since 1992, 150,000 fewer deaths. Even cystic fibrosis, look at this, they're living 13 years longer in just the last seven years that breakthrough has occurred. Well, if you look at this whole pattern, it means um, that the chances of um, us living 10 years longer, that is, instead of to an average age of 80, those 61-year-olds will live, they'll live to 90. Well, 
the way to do this, instead of having less people, less, we don't have as many working people, is that if they work 10 years longer, to say 71, well, each year, one year they work longer is 340 billion to the bottom line of our, of their economy and our ability, that is, the ability to pay taxes, the ability to pay into Medicare and Social Security trust funds, et cetera. Um, and if uh, they uh, keep doing this for 10 years, that's 3.4 trillion more. And if 10 groups do it, the group from 61 to 71, that's 34 trillion more. Wow. Just imagine that. It literally, and they pay taxes, that's another, whatever it is, 6 trillion or so in taxes, in federal taxes, and 3 trillion in state and local taxes. The, in other words, you're keeping the retirement years constant, 18 or 20, and what you're doing is just working and having friends, enjoying it. You're going to work past age 65. I'm already working past age 65. Um, and it's, it's fun. I love it. I love talking to you every Wednesday or so. So the point is that solves the budget deficit. It solves our Medicare and Social Security trust fund without anything. Just because of the advances in medical care, and people taking a little more responsibility for their own health. Um, It's actually, the the math is overwhelming, actually. If they take care of their own health and don't get sick for 10 more years than they do now, don't need medical care for 10 more years than they do now, you won't believe it. That's another 800 billion, almost 8.5 trillion over the next decade. Those numbers are staggering, and it, it, it should point out to everybody, listen, you'll get the benefit personally from living a healthier life. You, you will feel better. You'll not be languishing in, uh, in your later years. So it's just a good idea. And the nation as a whole will receive great benefits from it. All right, well, let's talk about some of the things. Late last week, you and I talked briefly about climbing five flights of stairs daily may lower your heart disease risk by a, a whole bunch. And I, I've checked my watch. I average six flights of stairs a day. And so um, uh, what kind of uh, heart disease that's risk a, am I going to get? That's a 20% reduction in, in your death rate from heart disease and stroke. Um, so And from getting them in the first place. So just five flights or more, we call it stairway to health. Five flights or more is a 20% reduction. Remember, we've already had, because of statins and blood pressure pills and the decreased sleeping rate, a 56% reduction in the death rates. Your personal one would go down another 20%. I just want to clarify. You said stairway to health, not stairway to hell. Right. Stairway to health. Okay. That's correct. Okay. Just for the health of it. uh, I'm in on that. Um, Doc, uh, I have a friend who's got a really good friend struggling, uh, incredibly hard battle against long COVID. Um, Is this unusual? Um, It turns out 6.9% of all Americans, uh, adult Americans over the age of 18, that is in the recent survey, have struggled with it and it is a little bigger in a little more prominent in um, men 
than in, I'm sorry, in women than in men, 8.5% of women, 5.3% of men. It includes brain fog and fatigue and coughing, all of the things that we, that we gotten to associate with chronic fatigue and um, brain dysfunction and not being able to work as well, etc. It turns out about half of those two years after they start to suffer, so the definition is six months or more, half of those have lasted um, two years. Hmm. So it's about 3.2% of all Americans. That's around 10 million. And when you look at the labor participation rates, when you say the people have been amazed that more people haven't returned to work, um, part of the uh, problem is... uh, exactly one that we're talking about that is those people some of those about half of those have not returned to work so if you say it is roughly one and a half million to two million of those people with long covid have not returned to work so that's part of who is coming back to work now Hmm. as they are recovering from long covid but in any case, it's not unusual. So it's not unusual. It's not, well, I guess it's, it's one and a half percent or two percent of the population have not returned to work. And 3.1 percent or 3.2 percent have persistent long COVID. So it's not. Now, we, there's some new therapies on the, on the horizon. One is, as I said, if you haven't been vaccinated, 50 percent of people get vaccinated. And I, as you know, I'm saying if you are afraid of the mRNA vaccines, or their side effects, you can look at the Novavax vaccine, which is available now, got approved by the FDA and their new booster, if you will. It seems to have about the same side effects as um, the, uh, if you will, the, the uh, um, mRNA, same type of side effects, but at least it's a classic vaccine and so those people are worried about mRNA vaccines. You don't have to worry with that one. Um, the second thing is both statin drugs, such as atorvastatin and rosuvastatin that are used to control cholesterol, and colchicine, an anti-inflammatory, um, when combined with an antiviral, um, look like those three together seem to help along with progressive exercise. So the things that we've known, colchicine decreasing inflammation and uh, a statin, which may also be working through decreasing inflammation as well as an antiviral seem to have, um, and we don't have randomized controlled trials now, we'll get them, but they seem in anecdotal reports to be fairly effective at at, um, reversing long COVID. That's a that's a great sign. So we will keep up on that. And when there are uh, documented uh, studies to show that we'll report them. But there may be a cocktail of of drugs you can take that will help knock back long covid and make sure you stay exercising. That's always a good thing. All right, Doc, let me ask you this question. I have uh, friends who, you know, they're having babies. And when when the wife gets pregnant, the woman gets pregnant they say, all right, I'm going to quit quit drinking alcohol, going to quit drinking coffee, no caffeine, no booze. And uh, I, I don't know too many people who smoke, but some say they're going to quit smoking. Um, 
which of those are wise decisions and which are decisions they don't have to make? Which which of those well, do they not have to quit? Well, smoking and vaping, even a little vaping, causes a tripling of prematurity and a tripling of uh, kids that later in life, meaning in their six to eight, develop behavioral problems. Hmm. So you want to avoid behavioral problems. One is, let me go, six months before you get pregnant, both the male and female, before you try and actually conceive if you're planning the kids, uh, start a prenatal multivitamin, both for the men and the women, and start eating healthy and decreasing booze and stop smoking and stop baking. Coffee is still fine. Okay, coffee, um, coffee, when, okay. Once you get pregnant, once you get pregnant, continue in the woman, now continue the prenatal multivitamin. It decreases childhood cancer 60%, decreases neurologic deficits by over 80%. So you wow. want to keep on that multivitamin and then it is stop smoking, stop vaping, and stop alcohol totally. Keep, you can, it, it turns out this recent study said you can keep drinking coffee. That doesn't cause prematurity. It doesn't cause any of the other problems. We would say the, the classic data would say go to decaffeinated coffee. If you're going to have coffee, um, at most one cup a day. But the this recent study, and so you want to see it replicated before you add coffee routinely. But this recent study would say coffee's fine during pregnancy. The most important thing is that you talk to your doctor before you make any changes. But this is all great common sense. And hopefully parents will think of those kids when they make these choices. Um, my buddy's name is Dr. Michael Rosen. You can find him on social media, uh, Dr. Mike, at Dr. Mike. And uh, if you visit longevityplaybook.com, which you should, You'll learn how to make yourself live a lot longer and a lot healthier. My friend, thank you again so much. I always learn so much from you. My privilege. And uh, one of these days, since I'm on, since, as you know, I'm traveling to the One Ohio um, Recovery Foundation uh, board meeting where I'm treasurer, we should talk about what to do to prevent opioid misuse or usage or our kids trying these drugs, even our adults trying them, and what we should talk about for treatment as well. So we'll, we'll, we should do a special on that um, as well, Michael. We will. I commit to you on that. That's absolutely in the books. Thank you, doctor. My privilege. 